0: Great to be with you this morning, church. And if you're joining online, I want to welcome you as well. And if you have your Bibles, love to have you take them and turn to Daniel 6 as we get to work this morning, continuing a series that we began last week called Stubborn Prayer, based on verse. 13 out of chapter 6 which is he still prays and uh, we're looking at the life of Daniel the book of Daniel and what we can learn about prayer and stubborn prayer through the book and so if you joined us last week you know that we started a project called project 613 twice a day 613 in the morning and the evening just encouraging folks to go to prayer whatever it is that burdens your heart maybe it's just a regular time of prayer I find myself in the morning I tend to focus on family and needs that I'm aware of and then in the evening it tends to be more of an intercessory time for me and maybe you only make one of those times but it's neat when you know as soon as you go to prayer that you have uh, hundreds maybe thousands of others that are praying at exactly the same time as you come before the Lord and there's a power that's in that when we come together in prayer and we're going to continue that today. In Daniel we learned that Daniel last week understood about kingdoms we understood that he understood that there were earthly kingdoms. There are earthly kingdoms, and earthly kingdoms come and go, they rise and fall. In other words, they're temporal. They're not going to last forever. He understood that while you engage in the earthly, you do battle in the heavenly because there are heavenly kingdoms. In fact, Paul said it, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now you may, you may disagree with that, you may feel like at times it is, but he says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the authorities, powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says there's a spiritual heavenly battle that's going on. And while Daniel engaged in the earthly, did war in the heavenly, his heart belonged to the enduring kingdom, the one enduring kingdom of heaven, and that held him consistent in all of his life. But I want to encourage you, and I know that for some of you, you might be discouraged by this. I hope you're encouraged by it. Daniel did not always get immediate answers to prayer. In fact, the reason we've called this series Stubborn Prayer is because we understand from the life of Daniel, at least from what we see, that you only see about eight or nine times. Now, there are a big eight or nine times. I mean, got to be honest with you, fiery furnace, lion's den, kind of big stuff. But what you see happening is eight or nine times you see God break in to assure victory. But understand that the book of Daniel takes place over 70 years. And so every seven or eight years, you're seeing these interventions, and I, I don't know about you, I find this, I find this a lot with my life, but also with people around me, is that um, God answers and shows up in a big way. I've had people, in fact, family members even, who've said, Lord, I need you to show yourself, and God shows himself, but then two or three years later, they're questioning God again, and I'm saying, but do you forget how he showed up in this instance, how he showed up so powerfully, A lot of times we look at how God has been faithful in the past to encourage us in the present so that we have hope in the future. And that's just, that's kind of how that works. And it's the same with Daniel. He continues to pray. It reminds me a little bit of a movie that I watched actually two or three weeks ago. And I'd seen it before. It's, I don't know, probably five, six, seven years old. It's called Imitation Games. Any of you know that one, Imitation Games? It, it, when I tell you the kind of the, the story, you might recognize it. I don't know that it was a big-time movie, but it was, it was set in World War II, and it was the endeavor by the British. It actually started MI6, which is the spy agency, kind of got developed in the mid-'30s. They, it was brand new, and they were trying to break the German Enigma Code. Uh, The Enigma machine was a machine that the Germans used. And what would happen during World War II is that the Germans would actually transmit their plans over the airwaves. And it's frustrating, right? Because everybody could hear them, but they were coded. They were coded messages. And then on the other end, wherever they wanted the code to be deciphered, they had this machine called an Enigma machine. They would plug in a keyword and they would punch some numbers and it would tell them what the, the coded message was. And they were trying to break this code because they knew if they could break the code, they could discover what the, uh, what the Germans were doing and what their next plan was going to be, what their strategy was. And it was incredibly frustrating. So they began to get some of the brightest minds and geniuses within Britain, one of them by the name of Alan Turing. He's kind of the key character, and it's who the movie is kind of based on. And he led this team of individuals as they tried to figure out how to break the code, but they couldn't do it. There were too many combinations. So he developed, they developed, what is considered one of the world's first computers, a machine that would do the calculations and could do it much quicker than what a human could do. And end of the story, sorry if I'm going to ruin this for you, but you kind of know the outcome of World War II, hopefully by now. Uh, the fact is, is that they did break the code. They broke the code. They were able to do this. By the way, this was all top secret until years later. All the evidence was destroyed. Nobody knew they had it. In fact, the Germans didn't even know they had it. But here's what's fascinating. They broke the code. They had the ability at any time to know what the Germans were doing, but they had to make a decision when to use the information because they knew that if they intervened every time the Germans were going to attack, the Germans would know that their code had been broken and they would just change the code. And so they actually developed another kind of computer-generated strategy so that they would only intervene at strategic times to ensure that the war would be won. Historians and strategists, military strategists, look back now, and they say that by breaking the code and by strategic interventions, um, they were able to shorten the war by about about a year and a half. They believe it saved somewhere between one and one and a half million individuals. But I love that concept, strategic interventions, not to win every battle, but to ensure victory in the war. What if prayer's that way? What if that's the way that prayer works in that God intervenes at strategic times to ensure not that every time we pray that we get what we've just prayed for, but that God intervenes in such a way as to ensure the victory. And since we don't know when he's going to intervene, we consistently keep praying and trust that God is going to intercede in the right way at the right time to ensure the right outcome. Now, when you look at the life of Daniel, there are some things that begin to permeate out of the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And the first thing that we notice in this story as we kind of process through it is that Daniel's prayer life was a consistent pattern throughout his life. Daniel just had this consistent pattern of prayer. Now, take your Bibles, turn to chapter 6. I don't believe last week we ever got a chance to really read the story. So chapter 6, verse 1, Daniel in the lion's Dan, If you remember it from uh, Sunday school, this will be, it'll ring a bell. It pleased Darius. By the way, Darius is now the one, two, three, fourth king that Daniel has served under. Daniel is now well into his 80s. It's about 70 years. The administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Now, why? Because they're crooks. They were dishonest. And if there's anything I know about a dishonest individual, is a dishonest individual does not want their boss to be an honest individual. They're okay if the others are are, are honest, but when the guy they answer to is honest, it takes away all their ability to be dishonest and corrupt. So just because you're excellent, and just because you operate with integrity, and just because you operate above board and trustworthy, doesn't mean everybody's going to applaud you for it. In fact, you might find that there's some accusation that comes with it. It says that he was not corrupt in any, in fact, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Verse five. Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Now it's interesting because when you you look at the story of Daniel, there was just a consistent pattern for him. If Daniel was, uh, was charged, he prayed. If Daniel had an, uh, 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 an impossible situation, Daniel chapter 2, where he was supposed to not only figure out what the dream of Nebuchadnezzar meant, but he had to know what the dream was. And by the way, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't going to give him any clues. What did he do? He prayed. His buddies are going into the fiery furnace, he prayed. He gets a personal attack, he prays. He has an unfair law, he prays. That's just what he does. When he's looking for wisdom and discernment, he prays. When when he's looking for some understanding of a dream or a vision that God has given him, he prays. When he's interceding for his nation, he prays. It was the consistent pattern of his life and what the consistency did in his life. If you go down just a few more verses, you'll notice what he does. It says... So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to King Darius, and basically what they said is, Darius, you're awesome, you're wonderful, let's make a law that people can only pray to you for 30 days. It's kind of the height of arrogance here, and he agrees to it. And they established that anyone who prays to any other god or anybody else other than Darius for 30 days is going to be thrown into the lion's den. And it says in verse 10, Now when Daniel learned what the decree had been published, He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed. Did you see that? Giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Daniel had such a prayer muscle memory. That when things were going well he prayed so that when things weren't going well he could pray i was thinking about this the other day i don't know why i think it's because i was talking to some guys about my high school athletic career which (laughs) really sounds impressive it wasn't i was a gymnast which shocks everybody except those who know that i fell on my head and then it makes all kinds of sense but I was a tennis player and that was kind of my thing. I played a lot of tennis, kind of developed it, actually was a pretty decent tennis player, was able to compete, you know, at least in the regional area. Actually became a better tennis player after I left. I mean I I, I think my brain kinda of caught up with my, my body on that and I was able to play pretty well. And so there are a few people around Colonial Woods who know that I played tennis and they liked Every once in a while, they talk to me about playing tennis and they say, hey, we ought to go play tennis. And I'm like, yeah, no. (laughs) It's, I mean, but by the way, I still, in my brain, I'm a really good tennis player. I mean, in my brain, I I, I know what I'm supposed to do and I even think my muscles remember what they're supposed to do, but it's just like my body won't kind of keep up. So if you could shrink the court, I think I could really be competitive. But the other day, I was thinking about playing tennis and about getting out there again. And um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think in the right circumstances, I could be competitive. Because I, I have two, two shots that I think I can still hit really well. I, I believe I still have a really good forehand. I never had a good backhand. I had a killer forehand. I think I still have a good forehand, and I know I can still serve. And you're saying, well, why would you say that? Because I hit thousands and thousands and thousands of serves. I was talking to Dale Voss in the last service, who's a coach here locally, and I said, coach, I'm telling you, I hit. And the reason I did it is is because I struggled my first year playing varsity uh, tennis in pressure situations in doubles I would double fault because what you do on that second serve the pressure's on and you pull back and you kind of you do things you're not supposed to do right you you kind of you become too tight and I would double fault in key situations and so I told myself I am not ever going to be that person again. I got out with hundreds and thousands of tennis balls and I would hit serve after serve after serve after serve. And because I hit so many serves, I knew that in a pressure situation, I could just trust the serve. And it became one of the strengths for the rest of my tennis days. And prayer becomes like that. Prayer becomes a muscle memory that as you as you practice it and practice it and practice it it becomes such a normal thing when you're in pressure situations daniel had a consistent pattern of prayer now the second thing i notice about daniel is that prayer permeated his life three times a day you notice it says three times a day in fact it was such a consistent pattern that they even knew where to find him they would, basically he was arrested while he was praying because they knew that he would pray three times a day and it doesn't say exactly when he does it but we assume that he does it in the morning and sometime in the early afternoon and in the evening only because it says he went home that means he was doing his duties and he made and by the way when I say it was permeated his life these weren't like not that this is bad but these weren't just quick prayers before you eat he actually had an appointment to go and do it. He had to make the effort to leave the court and to go to his home, to go to his prayer closet, his prayer room with the windows and go to prayer. It was something that permeated who he was. Now we don't exactly know when it was, but we, know, we assume it's first thing in the morning. And I think we got a pretty good idea that it's at least midday and then later on in Daniel we know that he was in prayer and fasting and around the time of the evening sacrifice an angel showed up and had a conversation with him and the time of the evening sacrifice was right around six o'clock so when we talk it just struck me during the first service that when we talk about praying at 6 13 and 6 13 it is really possible that that's exactly when Daniel was praying And it just permeated, it saturated his life. And I'm going to say something that sounds a little bit unspiritual, but I, I want you to stay with me. When you have permeated your life in prayer, I'll make the observation about Daniel. Daniel so permeated his life in prayer that it says he was a man of wisdom, tact, and understanding. Wisdom comes from the Lord. Wisdom is the ability to... It's People say, well, life. No, life gives you wisdom. No, life gives you experience. Wisdom is a gift from God, and wisdom is the ability to take information and apply it appropriately. Tact is the ability to speak appropriately, even toward antagonistic individuals. Understanding is the word discernment. It means To just simply understand a situation. Where did that come from? It came from a life permeated in prayer. Because prayer is not a genie in a bottle. Prayer is not to get what we want. Prayer is not, hey, let me rub this thing. God shows up, poof, he gives you what you want. Prayer is relationship. Prayer is is air through the Holy Spirit in our communion with God. Prayer is fellowship with God. Prayer is worshiping God. And so he so was used to being in the presence of God that at key moments in his life when he needed it, God gave him the right information at the right time. And you're saying, how can you prove that? Daniel chapter 5. We don't have time to go into the whole story, but Daniel is now in his third court. He's in his third kingship. We, I wish we could get into the history lesson, but the king at this time is Belshazzar. And Belshazzar is even more arrogant than his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, he's so arrogant, he decides to have a little party. And he says, hey, how about, hey, I know where there's some nice stuff. We stole a bunch of sacred stuff from the temple in Jerusalem. Why don't we use that as our party wear? And so he takes it. He's drinking from the gold cups. He's all this stuff that's been set aside for God. And there is a hand that appears in the party room and begins to write four words, four, four words on a wall. And everybody's freaked out because they don't know what the words mean. Finally, the queen mother, grandma probably, says, hey, I remember there was this guy, Daniel, who could, who could know this stuff. And so Belshazzar brings Daniel before him. Daniel chapter 5, go read the story. It's kind of incredible. And Belshazzar says, hey, I just want you to know, buddy, if you can answer this and tell me what those words mean and what they say, I'm going to give you all kinds of money. I'm going to give you all kinds of honor. And oh, by the way, I'm going to elevate you to third in the kingdom. Daniel looks at him, verse 17, chapter 5, and he says this. Uh, o king, he said, he says, you can keep your gifts for yourself. And you can give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read this writing for the king and I will tell him what it means. And here's what you don't see. He did not stop and pray. He didn't have to. He had already prayed. That's not conjecture. Chapter 2, when he's surprised, what does he do? He goes back, gets his buddies, goes into 24 hours of prayer and fasting, asks God for an answer. He is confronted in a pressure situation. But he has the pattern of prayer, and he's already permeated in prayer. And by the way, the party probably has taken place at night, so he's already spent three seasons in prayer that day. The king brings him before him. He says, hey, answer this prayer. And he goes, what? I'll go ahead and I'll do it right now. And he tells them exactly what it means and exactly what it says, and oh, by the way, don't want to ruin the rest of the story, but that's Belshazzar's last night as king. Now, I'm not trying to be unspiritual. It is never wrong to stop and pray. It is never wrong to fast. It is never wrong to intercede. But here, did you ever think that you can be walking with the Lord so closely? Did you ever think that prayer could be so much a natural part of your life that when you are confronted, you'll just know how to answer. I don't know how many of you were here yesterday. It was a Get in the Game. It was a men's conference. Great day, by the way. I was so honored for us to be able to host it. Hope we can partner with them again. The last speaker was was my favorite of the day, although the breakout sessions were great. His name was Sheriff Chris Swanson. Some of you know the name. Became nationally known, in fact, worldwide known after the uh, the attempted or some of the possible riots that happened back in May 30th, uh, 2020. He's the sheriff of Genesee County. By the way, a dynamic believer, great speaker, and he told the story of how he went up, and he's the one who took off the helmet, uh, put his helmet under his arms collaborated with the black pastors that were in Flint, took a very hostile situation. God used him to tone it down, and it really made national and worldwide news. And Chris yesterday shared the story how in the moment, he says, you're going to think I had this incredible plan. You're going to think that I had all this design. He goes, I had no idea what I was going to be doing. And he didn't have time to stop and pray other than, God help me. But he said, if you ever want evidence that the Holy Spirit can break into a situation and take over a situation, he said, that's the evidence because he says, I'm not smart enough, I'm not fast enough, I would have never had the ability to orchestrate that event. But as you watch the video, he says, I watch it now. And the Holy Spirit was all over that stuff. And I would just dare say, because of the rest of the story that he told, the reason that Chris was in the position to be able to be used of God in that instant and God poured himself over that particular high-intensity situation is because he already had spent time in prayer. And I just want to encourage you with this. This isn't, to, this isn't to discourage you from seasons or specific times of prayer, but just think about this. Could my life be so permeated in prayer that I wouldn't have to stop because I already did? Um, we... Uh, we pray over our kids and have always laid hands on them and prayed over them and pray blessing and, and pray covering and pray safety, and especially when they leave the house. When, when Brittany went to uh, uh, Denver a couple of weeks, we prayed over her and asked for God's anointing and the Holy Spirit to lead her and blood of Jesus Christ to just cover her and all kinds of stuff, set her aside. And Wesley was going back to, to Cornerstone uh, last Saturday and uh, so we we had kind of like a final meal together and we ordered out and we had a really nice meal about noon we knew he was taking off in about an hour and we gave him one of his favorite meals and then at the meal instead of just praying i thought i'm gonna pray over Wes." and so i prayed over him and prayed for his semester and i prayed for guidance and i prayed for safety and i prayed for covering and anointing and creativity and all these things over Wes. and and uh, by the way parents if you never laid hands on your kids uh, and just prayed over them. It may feel really weird the first time or two, but there's something powerful, and by the way, biblical about doing that, that they remember, by the way. And so about an hour later, Wesley, we're getting ready to say goodbye, and I hug him, and Tammy hugs him, and and Wesley looks over, and he goes, um, you going to pray? I already did I did it an hour ago. I said, it doesn't leak. It's still good. He started laughing. He goes, oh, that's right. You And I said, well, I'll pray again. I prayed over again, man. I prayed all the same stuff. But it was really funny because I'm thinking, no, no, no. Understand when I'm praying, even if it's not in that moment, God, prayers that go before the Lord, they're eternal. He's eternal. He doesn't forget. And so they stay before the throne of grace. Prayer permeated his life. Number three, real quick. Daniel continued to pray, even when he didn't get it. How many think Daniel, when he was 13 to 16 years old and was first taken into captivity, how many think maybe Daniel prayed, Lord, deliver my people? Anybody think maybe he did that? Okay, you didn't raise your hand, but you should. He did. He didn't want to be in captivity. It was 70 years before Daniel got that. Daniel chapter 9, which is what we're going to look at next time we dig into this together. Daniel chapter 9. He is begging God. He says, hey, God, I'm watching the word. It seems to me like this whole captivity thing was supposed to be like 70 years, and it's been 70 years. Why does he know that? Because I'm 70 years older. He knows this. He's 80-some years old now. He's going, hey, when's this going to happen? And by the way, we do know when it happens. It happens in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. So we are now through five kings. Daniel has been praying for 70 years. He, he just keeps grabbing hold of the throne of God where we find mercy in our time of need and he says, God, I need you to show up. God, I need you to show up. And don't be discouraged by that because God showed up when God showed up at the right time for God to show up to do what God wanted to do in that circumstance. But Daniel kept praying. I have been praying for my marriage for this many years. I have been praying for my mom, my dad, my kids. I've been praying for an uncle. I've been praying for a coworker. I've been praying for a career, a job. I've been praying for a, a healing. I've been interceding in this situation. I've been praying for my country. I've been praying for my culture. I've been praying for my community. I've been praying. And you know what? Don't stop praying i don't know how this whole thing works together but god says there are some things that are not going to happen unless my people pray and you have not because you ask not and it's all going to come together with my will and so i'm just going to keep praying that's the reason we've named the whole series stubborn prayer Because sometimes you have to be relentless and stubborn in prayer and it is trusting God, releasing to God, but I'm still gonna keep coming before God. And then number four, and if some of you are doing notes right now and you're going, wait a minute, what's the formula? What's the formula? I don't have time for it. We're gonna hit that next time, I promise. Number four, Daniel's inward life of prayer matched his outward life of integrity. And oh, by the way, his outward life of prayer matched his inward heart of integrity. We don't earn answered prayers through our righteousness. I want you to understand that. Lord, if I'm good, are you going to answer my prayer? We don't, we don't earn answered prayer. But Scripture testifies, but there is something powerful about the prayer of a righteous person. James 5, 17, and the King James says it this way, The, prayer, the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man availeth much translation when i'm right where i need to be with the lord i think of it this way is that i can i I should always and can always come before the lord in seeking forgiveness but there is something about being able to come before the lord and know that my outward life is consistent with my inward life and my inward life is consistent with my outward life and there is something powerful about that It says that Daniel was excellent in the workplace. Do you ever wonder if God cares about whether or not you do a good job? All due respect, your boss might be a jerk. Then do excellence to honor the Lord. He was trustworthy. He had integrity. He had character. No corruption could be found in him. You think God cares about that? It's in his word. Why do you think that's more testimony? The Lord called him highly esteemed. There's something powerful about that. I was thinking about this. Tammy and I believe in uh, in tithing. Uh, We don't just believe it. We believe the Word of God teaches it. That's why we believe it. Malachi 3.10 It's a principle all throughout the Old Testament. God God wants us to give the first 10% of our income to Him and then we make offerings on top of that. That's a biblical model. It's a biblical principle. And we believe that God honors that when we give Him that. And it's, it's actually a promise in the Old Testament, uh, Malachi 3.10. The Lord says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and s- test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And so we, very simply, I've taught this over the years here, we believe with all of our heart that over the years, as we, and I was calculating today, it would be a fair amount invested and compounded and all that stuff. We believe that 90% of our income plus God is far greater than 100% plus us. And that is a principle that we have had in place our entire married life. What if prayer was the same thing? I don't have time to pray. I can't take this to the Lord. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta control the situation. I've gotta jump into the situation. I have to manipulate the situation. I have to, I have to try to I have to try to twist the situation. I, I've got a busy day at work. I, I've got all this to do. What if, what if 23 hours and 30 minutes plus God could accomplish more than 24 hours and only you? What if um, that's if you did 15 minutes twice a day, by the way. What if 23 hours plus God could accomplish way more than 24 hours plus you could? What if 22, I don't know what a tithe of that is, probably two hours and, and uh, what is it, 24 hours a day, whatever 20, 10% of that is, 2.4? I'm not even talking about tithe. What if you set aside consistent, patterns of prayer where you're saying Lord I trust that time with you is so powerful so effective and so important that you can give me creativity on that paper I have to write and you can give me favor with that boss and that customer that's going to be antagonistic and you can carry along my business and you can give me wisdom for a situation what if I had a a dear lady well, well, well into her senior years, who came up to me after the first hour and she said, Pastor, years ago when you first came here, she said, Was that long ago? I said, that was a long time ago. That was 18 years. She said, eighteen years ago you challenged us. And you talked about tithing and you said if you you tithe for two months and if you believe that somehow God cheated you, you said, Pastor you'd give us our money back. And I'll be honest with you, I looked at her and I said, you're not asking for your money back, are you? That was a a long time, man. (laughs) Here's what she said. It didn't take two months. Pastor, the Lord was faithful immediately. She said, we have tithed ever since. And she said, prayer is going to be my new tithe. I am going to pray. I'm going to give it to the Lord. I'm going to come before him. And she said, I'll bet you he's going to prove himself faithful. I said, I think that's a pretty good bet. Father, we're learning about prayer. We're, we're looking at a man who modeled so many powerful things, but he had to keep praying. Father, I've been praying for years for this. I am going to keep praying. I've been praying for a spiritual breakthrough. I'm going to keep praying. I've been praying for a prodigal. I'm going to keep praying. I've been praying against a a nasty attitude. I'm going to keep on praying. I've been praying for my marriage. I'm going to keep praying. I've been praying for my mom and my dad. I'm going to keep praying. I've been praying for a physical breakthrough. I'm going to keep praying. I've been praying for dry bones to come alive. I'm going to keep praying. I've been praying for revival. I'm going to keep praying. I've been praying for our country and our culture and our community and i'm going to keep praying but lord you are faithful you are the way maker you are the promise keeper you are working even when we don't see you're working you're faithful even when we don't see the the fruit immediately of that but lord i want to keep praying And nurture in me a confidence that when I come before the throne of grace through our high priest, Jesus Christ, that I will find mercy in my time of need. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.